You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Claire's upcoming season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everyone? Welcome to podcast number 203. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you for tuning in. Great show for you this week. I went on their podcast about a month ago, maybe a little bit more, and now they are on mine. It is Bachelor Clues from Instagram. We'll get into why there's no name attached to that. And Lizzie Pace from the Game of Roses podcast. Uh, I'm sure you've all listened to the Game of Roses podcast. Very fun stuff. And uh, we talk about a lot today in regards to the Bachelor franchise. So uh, look forward to that. Before we get started, a couple things to get to before... Like I said, the Bachelor Clues and Lizzie Pace, come on. We are five days away from the premiere of Claire's season this Tuesday. The first episode, which is released early to the media through a username and password protected outlet, um, as far as as of right now, hasn't been posted. If I remember correctly, last season, Peters didn't go up till I think the Friday before his Monday premiere. So... um, I would think the first episode is going up in the next few days, and uh, I will watch it and uh, put a first episode recap up on the site probably Monday or Tuesday with her premiere being Tuesday. There is still a chance the show doesn't premiere on Tuesday if there's a Game 7 in the NBA Finals, which means Miami would have to win tomorrow night and Sunday night. Probably not going to happen. But considering the presidential debate, the next one is next Wednesday. If for some reason the NBA Finals goes to a seventh game and ABC can't televise The Bachelorette, I guess they push it back a week because they can't just do it the next night because the debate will be on. So I don't know. I don't know what the plan is, but it's a better than average chance, probably 80 to 90% chance that, if not more, that Claire's season goes off on, on Tuesday because I don't think Miami's going to win both games Friday and Sunday. Um, the, that also means for the first time in six, seven months, we're back on a normal schedule starting next week. Now, in the past, it's always been recaps on Tuesday, reader emails on Wednesday, podcast on Thursday. Well, the show airs on Tuesdays now. So the plan is reader emails is going to be on Tuesday, recaps Wednesday, podcast on Thursday, which means get your reader emails in this week. And I'll tweet it out uh, just to remind people as well, but start getting your reader emails in because for the next a while, six months straight, we're going to have bachelor programming. You know, yeah, we might not have had bachelor programming from March until October, but now we're going to have bachelor programming pretty much every week from now until mid-March because Claire slash Tasha's season is going to run through the end of the year. My guess is it's going to end maybe two weeks before the end of the new year. And then we know as long as there's no hitches in the Matt James filming of The Bachelor, which starts this weekend at Nemecolon Woodlands Resort, they're set for a Monday, first Monday in January premiere, like the last eight Bachelor seasons have been. So, And that goes till mid-March. So we're going to have, starting next Tuesday, every week for the next six months, we're going to have Bachelor programming. Bachelorette for October through December, 
Bachelor from January to March. So while we didn't have it for six months, we're all getting we're gonna get our fill for the next six months. So look forward to that. Also, um, I'm gonna take out my phone here because I wrote down my notes of what I wanted to uh, bring up. Oh, I already talked about it. First episode on Tuesday and possibly getting pushed back. But yeah, reader emails is the big thing. And we're back on regular schedule starting next week. I know that basically I wrote less than five columns in the last six months. And it was it was tough for a while just because there was nothing to talk about. Nothing was filming. <laughs> and, you know, on a normal schedule, Claire's season would have filmed from March to May, would have started airing May to July. Bachelor in Paradise would have filmed in June. It would have started airing end of July till mid-September. And we would be, you know, right where we are right now, which is about to be filming the Bachelor season. So, yeah, that's uh, that's where we're at. Um, if you saw Ashley and I's live on Instagram last night, we talked about a lot about the contestants that were released on Matt James' season. And, you know, it will be a little bit different because we're going to have a season filming while one is airing. It's never happened before. But at least recently, I'm talking in the last probably 10 years, uh, maybe in the beginning, uh, in the early seasons it, it did. But, you know, I fully expect, you know, not a lot of stuff is going to get out at Nemecolon just because it's a, they have the whole resort to themselves. Not going to be a lot of pictures that get out, not to mention that resort is way more secluded than La Quinta Resort where they filmed Claire and Tasha's season. So I don't expect a lot of stuff to get out during filming, but anything I do here I will uh, pass along. Uh, in regards to what's going on with Matt's women. As for Matt's women, you saw my, I wrote in the column yesterday, you've seen all 43 of them. Probably, I would say, 8 to 10, maybe 8 to 12 women aren't even going to make the cast and will be eliminated before the show. Uh, you know, there could be a COVID situations with any of them. Clearly, they wouldn't be making it on the show. But, um, you know, when they released Claire's Men in July, she had 42, and only 31 ended up making it to her first night. So I'm expecting roughly the same for Matt's. Probably of those 43 women, at least 10 will probably get cut. And they'll have between 30 and 33 women to start the season. But uh, I gave my thoughts on some of them last night. Gave you some uh, tidbits on some of the women in yesterday's column. And I'm sure I'll find out stuff throughout the season. But I am going to not have... I, I haven't gotten really anything bad yet. But the, the same old stuff I hear every season. Oh, she was seeing this guy right before she left. Oh, she was a partier and had a lot of sex in college and it's like, okay. I mean, it's like, what's the point of bringing that up to anybody? What is someone having a lot of sex in college? One of these women, what does that have to do with her being on Matt season? It means it's such a generalization to make and nothing I heard in the last 24 to 48 hours about any of these women is expose worthy of some of the stuff I've written in the past in so it's just more along the lines of, you know, the same things we hear every season. I've, you know, I've heard of plenty of these girls. Oh, she's totally on for clout, totally wants Instagram followers, all this stuff. It's like, look, that's not news anymore, people. I'm sorry. If you're watching the show hoping to get 43 women that are dead set on finding a husband on this show, you're watching the wrong show. This is a franchise now that these women all know what they're coming on for. They all see the women before them and the opportunities that have been presented to those women. This is no different. They're coming on, and yes, there's going to be a bunch of Instagram wannabes, and there's just going to be a bunch of clout chasers. That's that's what the show is. 
So you can't you can't watch the show and then complain about it when you know what's coming. So either don't watch the show or just watch it and don't complain about it because that's what you're going to get as far as these contestants. So anyway, that'll do it for your little update. Let's get started with uh, podcast number 203. It's Bachelor Clues from Instagram and Lizzie Pace from the Game of Roses podcast. All right, let's bring them in now. Um, you know them from Instagram and their podcast. There's Bachelor Clues on Instagram and Lizzie Pace from the Game of Roses podcast. Um, guys, thanks for coming on, and I, and I do want to talk about something real quick in regards to your names, but thanks, thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thank you very us. much for having us. So we we are on a three way call here and um, Bachelor Clues, which it's funny that I'm calling you Bachelor Clues because I know your name uh-huh. and I know who you are, <laughs> but you but you've kind of run with this identity of like you know what nobody really calls me by my name I'm just Bachelor Clues on Instagram so I'm just gonna call you Clues for this call because when I because the three of us are on a call so it's gonna be tough to where maybe we don't want to talk over each other so I'll kind of direct who I want to answer the question and we'll kind of go that way. So clues exactly. Tell me how this all came about where you just decided to run with this. Hey, I'm kind of anonymous here. I'm just going to keep going with it. Well, I mean, I started doing this Instagram account. I don't know how many years ago at this point after watching the bachelor with Lizzie sitting on the couch right next to me, she was furiously typing notes for a recap site that she used to do. And I was taking pictures of the screen at that point, just like two or three pictures per episode. And I remember the first meme I ever made was Chris Harrison sitting in a chair at a win and tell all doing air quotes. And I put the words finding love in between his fingers. And that was the first meme I ever made. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just make an Instagram account. And, uh, the fact that the show had clues in it was kind of an inside joke among Lizzie and I. And so I just came up with Bachelor Clues and started generating these memes. And over the course of however many years, Bachelor Clues has kind of become like a weird artist identity for me in the same way that maybe like Banksy is for whoever Banksy really is. I I kind of see it as, um, I see memes as an art form, certainly a modern art form. And I kind of just see Bachelor Clues as my artist name. <laughs> I would say you're definitely the Banksy of our of our beloved game. <laughs> For sure. And Lizzie, I mean, were were you I mean, have you kind of been in awe of the way this has kind of taken off? Because I don't think you had this in mind when you first started, did you? <laughs> when we first started, we were watching purely for pleasure. Um, and I don't know exactly what happened when we decided to do the podcast. I was doing these recaps, Clues is doing his memes, and we were like, let's just try this. And it, we were just recording on a, like, basically a tape recorder. Um, and I think that just the way that we both see the show has, is a very unique perspective of watching it sort of ESPN style, breaking it down as a game. And I think that that has really appealed to people because I think people have been watching it as a game, but not identifying it as so they're making fantasy leagues, but not, not breaking it down into plays type thing. Yeah. I, okay. I have a, (laughs) 
I have a very ignorant question here, and if you don't want to answer it, uh-huh. you don't have to. I don't even know if you've covered this on your podcast. Maybe you have, and I don't. I don't know, so I'm just gonna flat out ask this: Are you, wait, are you guys a couple? Are you married? Are you uh, <laughs> are you dating? Because when you say when you said you watched it on the show and you were watching it on the same couch, I'm like, wait, I are they just friends? I, what is the situation here? But if you don't want to answer it and you want to keep that anonymous, that's fine by me too. I don't care. So ignorant. <laughs> No, we are not a we are not a couple. We've been watching it in a group of friends okay. for for years. Uh, Clues and I used to work on a TV show together called Bad Judge. Yes, uh, which he created, and I worked on that show. That's how we met. Gotcha. Okay, that's answered. Um, so, I, you guys obviously you look at the show from a very different angle than most recaps do, and like you said, Lizzie is more of a it's more of a game to you guys and um mm-hmm. and for clues it's more of a like you said it's more of a meme thing where you know i i cannot look at chris harrison on tv anymore without thinking of him with devil horns and you know <laughs> <laughs> and eyes that look like he's possessed because that's all i ever see on on, on the instagram Mission i'm accomplished. doing my job yeah yes. I'm, I'm doing what i set out to do like he's like he's Xenu from Scientology or something. Like he's just this yeah. character that you've created that is just kind of freaky to look at online. Um, but when you, Lizzie, when you look at the show and mm-hmm. kind of talk about it and recap it, um, do you have a do you have a set way? And you were like, in like you said, the way you break it down is more of a game thing. Where did that come from for you? I think that we just started seeing these patterns and we started predicting who was going to go far. And I think a lot of that has to do with, we both have backgrounds as TV writers and there is like a narrative structure that people want to watch. And so a lot of the the game patterns are sort of these television tropes where you're setting up these walls that you want to break down. You're bringing up these, what we call PTC, your personal tragedy card to create this emotional moment that you can then have a deeper understanding of the character from. You're basically creating all these scripted TV tropes through your play in the game. And just to add to that, I think it really started for me. And I remember you and me, Lizzie, this is when we started talking about it as a game, Mm -hmm. is when Instagram really started to come into prominence in the context of the game itself, once there became this measurable metric of Instagram followers that was kind of like a baseball batting average, once that started to establish itself, it was very apparent that not only are you playing this game to potentially win a ring or win a crown as the next bachelor or bachelorette, but now there is this secondary goal that's completely outside the show itself that you can achieve this measurable success on Instagram, become an influencer, start making money. And so that element of the, uh, I guess, kind of the peripheral world of The Bachelor, to me, at any rate, really solidified the idea that this is a game from the beginning. People go in knowing, like, yes, I'm going to try to maybe fall in love and get a ring or whatever. But they all are trying to get that Instagram number up as high as they can, no matter what the actual outcome of their gameplay is. 
for sure. Yeah, and you can measure it now. And Clues puts their Instagram numbers on their faces often, so you can tell how well they're doing. Yeah, and I think I think one thing that you know you get asked all the time, people in the TV industry, and even me myself, and anybody that goes on this show as a contestant gets asked all the time, like, "Well, is it real or is it scripted?" And it's like, well, it's not scripted to where you're handed a packet and you have to memorize lines, but it is scripted in a way like the behind the scenes part of the show is the scripted part. Like the production has their scripted, like you said, the tropes of the show, the things that we see every Mm -hmm. single season, the way they tease in and out of commercial breaks, the way they tease in the promos, like that's all just part of television production. So that part is, I guess what you would call quote unquote scripted, but are they told to memorize lines and say lines? Well, I mean, you ask certain contestants, they'll tell you, absolutely, I was told to say this line or else I couldn't go to bed. So um, it, yeah. does, it, it, I, it does happen. I think that it is to that degree. We've Now we're in this era where there are so many players coming out and going on podcasts. Luke P., for example, was just successfully sued because he went on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you have all these players coming out and talking about the real behind-the-scenes stuff. And I think we're getting to see that producers do force them to say certain lines. I mean, what you also have reported, Steve, about this upcoming season of Bachelorette being completely produced, that the Claire Crawley leaving halfway through the season was something the producers set up from the beginning, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's... It's it's also one of these things because people have come to me since I wrote that and said, well, how did Claire not know? I said, well, it's very easy. Like they knew Claire's intentions and they knew Dale was Claire's favorite before the first day of filming ever started. So um, and in hearing when certain things and when when Tasha was notified of everything, everything points to the fact that they knew they were bringing Tasha on. It wasn't like, hey, let's just start Claire's season. Oh, shit. She's really into Dale. No one else is being given a chance. We have to, you know, go to plan B. Let's call Tasha up. No, Tasha was, she was on hold before the first day of filming, which shows that they knew that they were going to bring her in at some point. So, yeah, it mm-hmm. is It is pretty crazy. And I don't, you know, again, it's going to be tough to prove. They'll never admit it. So it's just one of these things that's just going to kind of get in, lost in, in everything here. But I, I just... I think it is fascinating. Well, unless you're Nick Vile, who just says that anybody who has something that production does bad to them, they're just misremembering what happened on their season. Of course, there's there's, <laughs> there's always that. The disease of not being top four. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, you were our top four, so you're just misremembering what happened on your season. Okay. okay. I, just, I just love to line those people up. You notice how none of those people go on Nick's podcast? They're, they're just... He doesn't invite them yeah. on their podcast for them to tell him to his face, um, Nick, no, they told me to say this. Like, I didn't misremember anything, but it's neither here nor there. Um, we'll have Nick Vile talk later on in the, in the podcast because I know you guys I know you're I can't wait. Yeah. I cannot wait. <laughs> um, no, in some ways they are, you know, sort of running this sort of prison and they have so much power. We were just talking about Blake Hortzman going on Olivia Caridi's podcast, Mouthing Off, and yeah. how they sort of isolated Kaylin and made her believe all this stuff about Blake. And I, I totally buy that. I mean, they have all the power in this situation. It's why it's just so hard not to believe. You know, I know, I know people say, like, 
is reality TV real? And it's like, no, it's not real. But I just don't think people understand the extent of how not real this show is. I mean, it's real people, and they're they're not robots out there. I mean, and they are living, breathing human <laughs> beings. But I, other than that, uh, it's every situation is manipulated. Everything that happened, I mean, just off the top of my head, the last season with Peter and Kelsey and the champagne bottle and Hannah Ann, like. That is such an example of how this show isn't real. Yet they created this major conflict that episode by one incident completely controlled by production. How about the Chase Rice thing? To me, in the last season with TP, when Victoria Fuller is taken to the concert and it's fucking Chase Rice, my mind was blown. I'm like, who is still watching this show? And thinking that the producers have any of these people's best interest in mind, that they're actually trying to help foster any kind of romantic connection between them, they're clearly trying to sabotage it. They're trying to undermine this relationship, and they've set up this situation to blow up in her face. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's one of many examples you can think of throughout the throughout the years. I mean, I even think last season, now that you mention it, the uh, Victoria Paul Alea situation was so bizarre because we had this social media proof that these two women hung out numerous times, <laughs> took a trip to Las Vegas. And then you got Victoria Paul on air saying, I've spent three hours with this girl. Like it made no sense whatsoever, but I don't think that, I, I mean, I think that it's clear if you really were to get Victoria Paul in an interview and tie her up to a polygraph machine, I think she would probably admit that she was told to say things to advance a storyline and not what really happened in her life. A hundred percent. I have no doubt about that. The producers told her to say that a hundred fucking percent. There's no reason that she would have said it. Otherwise there's no benefit or detriment to say that she doesn't know her. If she does in real life, you know, it doesn't like, it just makes no sense to tell that lie unless the producers were trying to drum up a rivalry plot there. And so they told her to say these things. Yeah. I mean, Lizzie, when you saw it, were you like, wait a second, what's the point of this? Why why are you lying about something that's pretty <laughs> insignificant in the whole grand scheme of things? I mean, I get lying to the point of casting. Like, I understand her thinking somehow that, oh, they're not going to cast friends on the show, so we should distance ourselves. But once you're already at that point, I would say just, like, come clean with it. And we've already seen Kaylin and Hannah have the pageant rivalry before. Like, they've had people who know each other. Yeah. And it's been a successful strategy. So it was very bizarre. I I, I found her gameplay to be so fascinating because she would just drop in these tiny little bombs into conversations and then just sort of, like, whisk herself away. And you wouldn't even notice that she's the one who had precipitated all of the drama. I, and I think the other thing that is kind of funny that gets lost on Peter's season with Victoria is the fact that um, she was the reigning Miss Louisiana and she happens to leave the show and tell Peter that it's whatever, not working. I can't even remember what their conversation was now, but you know, she didn't get eliminated at a road ceremony. She eliminated herself mid episode when they were in, I already forgot where they were, but um, Chile, I think, yeah, and uh, she eliminates herself, and the very next day, there's footage of her, um, giving her giving her crown away to the Miss, the next Miss Louisiana, and it's just like, okay, so it's clear that she went on this show and said, 
I'm going to give myself X amount of time on this show. And if I haven't determined that Peter and I are going to make it or if he's going to pick me in the end, I'm going to bolt so I can make it back for the whatever it's called, the recrown and not the recrowning, whatever it's called. Um, success to crown your successor. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and she was there. I mean, it was I had pictures of her on getting off the plane. And the very next night she oh was at Miss Louisiana. I mean, it was just it's just funny to think about that now of how plain it was, because. If Victoria, in her mind, thought she was going to win, zero chance. She would have probably passed on the night of uh, crowning her successor. She would have stayed on the show like the season before when Kaylin Miller Keys bolted and did not come back to recrown her to crown her successor for Miss North Carolina. She stayed on the show because she got a hometown. Yeah, God, that's fascinating. I didn't know that about Victoria Paul. Oh, she yeah. just fucking ejected. Yeah, she's like, I'll give this a try. Yeah. Shit has gone sideways. I'm out, <laughs> and I'm back on stage 24 hours later. It was literally pictures of her at the airport in Louisiana arriving, and the next night there was cell phone people that were at Miss Louisiana for 2020, and there she was, you know, crowning her successor yeah. the very next night. It was just, it was all, it was all too funny. <laughs> That is fascinating. Clues and I have been talking a lot about the role of pageant girls and and this game and how they tend to be pretty good at it. And we were just going through Matt James's women, and there's a lot of pageant people in it. I'm excited to see. Well, the one that sticks out is Mari, uh, Mari Pepin, I guess you pronounce her last name. She's Miss Maryland, mm-hmm. Miss Maryland 2019. She finished top ten. Yeah. Uh, Victoria was top 15, so she competed in the same Miss USA as Alea and Victoria. So they clearly all know each other. Um, I'm sure that didn't hurt her getting on this show, not to mention she looks like Priyanka Chopra, whatever her name. That's her name, right? Priyanka Chopra? She's certainly very attractive. Uh, Miss Maryland 2019, I think she's the only, like, state winner uh, of Matt's Women, although I might have missed a couple here and there. Maybe you guys did a deeper dive than I did, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's pageant women, as we've seen two seasons ago with Colton, it was Hannah Ann and Kaylin. Last season, it was Victoria Paul and Alea. Now, this season, as far as I know, I don't think anyone else from 2019's Miss USA pageant that may have or may not have been an <laughs> adversary of Mariella is no. on this season, but who knows? They have branched out, though. Catalina Morales Gomez is a Miss Universe Puerto Rico. That's right. Uh, that's right. She was Miss Universe Puerto Rico. So maybe there's, well, they weren't in the same pageant, but God knows just the fact that there's a second pageant woman there. Uh, we, we could, there could be some beef. Um, it's really, it's really crazy. Well, let's just jump to, um, let's just jump to first off Claire and Tasha season. Uh, that's coming up in your findings clues in your findings yeah. and, and early season studying of what's been going on and what's happened. What have you had any overall takes on this and what you're most looking forward to? I've had a million overall takes and I think they're probably <laughs> all wrong. I mean, I was at some point convinced that it was all a hoax 
that, in fact, Claire was going to run out the entire season and that the producers had been just shooting us propaganda of these pictures of all these different people at La Quinta just to throw us off the trail. Then I was convinced that there was going to be a wedding in the first episode, that they were just going to condense all of Claire and Dale Moss's shit into one episode that's going to conclude with a wedding. And that's why they had Jared and Ashley and Becca Kufrin and Hannah Fluff and all those people down there because they were attending a wedding. And now I'm falling back more toward we're going to get five episodes of Claire, five episodes of Tasha this kind of double bachelorette season where Tasha's picking through Claire's leftovers. And I just, I don't really know what to expect from the season other than it won't be normal. It's not going to follow the usual game structure. And per your reporting about the producers purposely doing this, I just continually ask myself, why would they do that? And if it is because of what you're, uh, reporting that you know they thought because they were shooting in a bubble they were going to have to make this overly dramatic so they orchestrated this giant blow up if that's the case i think they're wrong because i think the strength of the game the 10 round game of attrition that goes from regular season to playoffs which is hometowns and fantasy suites the finals that is what we're tuning in for and it's why when we tuned into like peter season for example the first four or five episodes last season didn't exist in the normal structure of beginning to rose ceremony, beginning to rose ceremony, they were like cutting them in the middle. So the episode would end halfway through one of those cycles before you got to the rose ceremony. And it was not as satisfying. I think people are attuned to that game. And when you fuck with the game in some way, and this La Quinta season seems like they've destroyed the game. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be as entertaining to watch, you know, Lizzie, as a woman, if you're Claire, <laughs> if well, actually, I should say if you're Claire, if you're Tasha, granted, I don't think any woman, whether they called Tasha up or Tia up or any single woman from a past season and said, hey, will you come in mid-show and take over as the Bachelorette? I don't think any of them would have turned it down. However, no. taking that part out of it, the money aspect of it and the notoriety aspect of it, do you think Tasha's getting the short end of the stick here as a woman? Are you are you kind of like if that were me, I'd be a little like, okay, I'll do it, but man, this kind of sucks because I, I am the Bachelorette, but I'm also getting a bunch of guys that have already dated Claire, signed up thinking it was Claire, were brought on because Claire was the Bachelorette, and now I'm being thrown in. Like, how would you have felt if you were in Tasha's shoes? I mean, I think she's absolutely getting the short end of the stick. I, I think that these seasons, both Claire and Matt James, are already going to be seen with an asterisk because they're quarantine seasons and they're not going to be traveling. Yeah. But Tasha getting, you know, short a shorter amount of episodes, getting the leftover guys, not getting to date Dale Moss. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also just she's not getting any of the promotion. They're still doing only Claire promos. I think she's totally getting the short end of the stick. And I mean, I don't know just the way that they've been treating both Tasha and Matt James, having Matt James's intro be, I know on the goat episode, they brought him in via Tyler Cameron. Yeah. And it has always struck me as like, here's Tyler Cameron's black best friend. And then he scoots in for two seconds. And I'm sure we're going to see Tyler and Hannah in Matt James's intro. Um, I just, 
you know, they're trying to be more diverse and more inclusive, but the way that they're handling this to me is just, it's not great. The rollout of Matt James, especially just posting that Instagram post during all of the BLM stuff. Like, yeah, it rubs, it rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned this season and Matt's season being asterisk next to it because no travel. And I've asked this to a couple people. Yeah. I'm just curious your thoughts. Clues, are you going to be at the least bit bothered or not that you're not going to watch, but is it going to be <laughs> like weird to you or are you going to be like, wow, that really takes away from the season that we're not going to have any travel during the Claritatia season or the Matt James season, that we're going to get a, a one location thing? Or are you along the thinking along the lines of, you know, when I watch it, I'll probably realize the travel isn't really that big of a deal. It's the contestants that make this show. Travel is just like background uh, picture in the background. Yeah, for me, it's still the game. And what I like about The Bachelor, like what really has hooked me on it, is watching the gameplay how these players will psychologically manipulate one another, how they'll manipulate the lead, how they will deal with producers trying to manipulate them. It's kind of that to me is the game of it. And it's almost like, it's like what baseball is like now. If you tune in and watch a baseball game, the audience is a bunch of cardboard cutouts. To me, that's, <laughs> it's basically this. It's like the same game is being played, just the environment is a little different. But that's also why I think the claire season does have an asterisk is because that game is going to be broken halfway in the middle and then started again i guess like are there going to be another round of limo exits it's that season specifically is going to be very strange but i think matt james if it does run its course the 10 round game that we've come to know and love and the hometowns are they're flying the parents to meet them at nema colon instead of flying them to meet the those parents in their hometowns i don't think it's like for me, it's not a huge deal. I do like to see it when they travel, especially the domestic travel, when they're like, you guys are going to Cleveland. And everybody has to be like, oh, my God, my dreams are coming true. I've always wanted to go to Cleveland. <laughs> that shit is hilarious to me. But to not have it doesn't really – it doesn't take away, for me anyway, why I'm watching it. Yeah. I mean, I I tend to think that the travel that interests me the most on a non-COVID season – is probably more so the hometowns and the overnights. I don't really care where they go for episodes four, five, six, and seven. But to go to somebody's hometown and do some cheesy thing that's somehow linked to that hometown or uh, and then to meet the family in their element at a home that's usually rented out and put together by a production team <laughs> um, is, is, is a little more interesting than okay, we're going to fly the parents out to Nemecolon and, and whatnot. And, yeah, I think, I think it is going to be different, but is it going to take away from the overall show? I don't think so. I don't think people are going to tune out and say, like, I'm not watching because they're only staying in one location this year. I, I really and – da- and the dates all seem kind of the same thing. And, no, I don't, I don't really think that will change. Lizzie, do you? No, and Clues and I are doing this project right now where we're – Rewatching The Bachelor every single episode. Yeah. Um, we're on season 13 now, but seasons like around three through 12 are very experimental. You have all of these different elements of the game changing. Sometimes they're in New York, they're in Paris. 
Sometimes there's no hometown. Sometimes the fantasy suites are all in different locations. And the show holds up through all of it. So I'm I'm not worried about this, like, breaking the game at all. Um, I think you still have the fundamental structure there. Rewatching these past seasons, how about Charlie O'Connell's opening night where it seemed like weren't the, <laughs> weren't the women, like, brought upstairs and the filming was in, like, a loft in New York, in, like, yeah. New York somewhere? I'm like, God, you look at that now and it's like... It was... That was fucking fascinating <laughs> to me because it was technically... This was uh, season seven. Yeah. It was, in my opinion, it is where we saw the birth of the modern limo exit. Because for many seasons, limo exits were just people would literally come out of a limo, walk up, shake the bachelor's hand, and go inside. And that was it. You saw 25 of those in a row. Then in his season, because they did this thing where they told all the women they were all asleep in their rooms in this fucking hotel (laughs) and the producers knock on their door at five in the morning and they're like you've got five minutes to get ready charlie wants to meet you and so they all hustled downstairs without having time to do makeup or hair or put on any clothes or anything and then they tell them that they're each going to have two minutes of a speed date with him and there are two roses that will be given so in this moment you see all the players uh a switch flips in their head I have to put on a two-minute performance right now because a rose is at stake. Having that idea, which would essentially become the first impression rose, having that idea of a prize to be given because of your first impression, because of essentially your limo exit, even though they weren't coming out of limos, they were just meeting him in this hotel. Some of those women put on fucking shows, and I think that's where at least the producers saw, holy shit, this moment where they first meet, we can make that bigger. And then you start to see bigger and bigger limo exits in the years that follow. Yeah, we had this woman, Christine, give us arguably what we call the trick-or-treat or a tot, uh, where she was dressed in a bikini under her outfit, and she took it off, and then she read him a poem, and then she gave him her bikini top, which we call kringling, where you, a kringle where you enter and you give him a gift. But we had not seen anything like that. But because you had these condensed two minutes and they're like, what am I going to do in this to make an impression? And the rose is right on the table there. You you upped the importance of these, quote unquote, limo exits. And you also in that season had group date roses and up the ante of every every group date as well. And the roses were displayed on the dates, put on the table in front of all the players. So you can immediately see their anxiety their competition, all of that shit goes through the roof as soon as that rose comes in. Their their eyes start <laughs> darting around. I mean, it's fucking crazy. So you see these little elements of the kind of psychological tactics that producers are learning through the years that have ultimately led us to what we now have. You know, I might have been uh, then I might have been mistaken there with the uh, the loft because, like you said, when you mentioned Charlie's opening night, now I remember his. I think I might have been thinking of Jen Chef's season. Jen Chef was I believe filmed all in New York and her first night seemingly guys walked up like almost a circular staircase if I remember correctly but hmm. I don't know if you guys have watched that one yet we haven't gotten into the bachelor's or bachelor's <laughs> okay yeah that's next after we plow through our hyper binge of all the bachelor's seasons. um Lizzie you mentioned something when you were talking mm-hmm. about um you know Tasha and then Matt and kind of how ABC is handling this diversity thing. I guess we can give them, 
some credit because we're now going to have a bachelorette that's black and a bachelor that's black. And we saw the cast list for Matt James released yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. From the naked eye. It's the most, it looks like the most diverse cast ever. Yeah. From the naked eye, when I counted and I just look and I just went through each picture, I'm like, okay, not white, not white. I had 28 of the 43 not white, which is blows anything away in any previous season. Now, granted, if The Bachelor was white, would we ever have that ratio? No. But, I mean, I guess it's, you know, progress. And like I wrote today, it's like, you know, progress there. Um, are, 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 are all 43 women between size zero and size four? Yeah. But, hey, you know, baby steps. They've only been on the air 41 seasons. You know, we'll get to casting. <laughs> We'll, no, get, I mean, we'll get there eventually. I, Give I, them some time. I, I, <laughs> I think Rachel Lindsay's season, you had maybe a third of the cast was diverse, and this is over half, so it's definitely different from that. Um, I think the average age is 25.95, which is also pretty ripe. <laughs> yeah. Standard. It's standard for Bachelor. Because when Nick and Ari were Bachelors, and they were 35 and 36, respectively, when they were the Bachelors, their median age was uh, 25, 26, maybe 27.1, I think might have been highest. I mean, no matter who the lead is on this show, they're going to cast women that are 23 to 28 years old. That's where a majority of their cast is. Matt is 28. I think there's four women that are 30 or older. There's two girls that are 30. There's one that's 31, and there's one that's 32, and that's it. So they're always going younger for Bachelor. Mm. It's just they're never going to change. Yeah. I'm curious in terms of the diversity to see if this is going to be something that lasts or again, if this is an asterisk kind of season where they say, okay, we've seen black lives matter. We've heard batch diversity. We're going to give this one season and the ratings will also have a big part to tell in this, uh, whether or not they do it again or whether or not after everything in quotes goes back to normal and they can travel again and all that stuff. Will we see the show return to kind of what they perceive normalcy to be in terms of uh, lack of diversity in casting as well? Yeah, yeah. I'm also curious how they handle the various storylines too, because it's, you know, you have the front-facing cast might be diverse, but do you have more diverse producers? I mean, they haven't transparently said that they have hired more diverse producers, but maybe they have been working on it. Um, but just you know, helping tell those people's stories um, in a way that is uh, much more respectful and understanding. I mean, just going back through these old seasons has been kind of harrowing at the way that they have portrayed uh, some of the people. I mean, as we saw when the GOAT episodes aired, the fact that (laughs) Brad Womack had 55 women between two seasons and one of them was black is fascinating. I mean, that's just, that's, it's so wrong on so many levels, but uh, to see Brad Womack's group picture on night one with two different (laughs) seasons and he's got one black woman. I mean, it's like, come on. Um, It's unbelievable. And and you have to wonder, like, obviously the producers are the ones who make the final decision, but does he have no say in it? Was he ever like, I don't know, guys, maybe we should have two black players. Like it's, it's fucking insane to me. And maybe, and you know what? Maybe Brad told them when they asked him, what kind of women do you like? And he said, white women. And maybe Brad said, I'm not into women that are non-white. Never dated a black girl in my life. Never dated a Hispanic woman in my life. Maybe he said that. 
Well, at that point, the production right. should have said, "Well, then you're not our bachelor," as opposed to, "Oh, we'll just, uh, you know, right. we'll just, you know, cater <laughs> yeah, to your needs." Exactly. <laughs> so it's clear that <laughs> it's clear they catered to his needs, and then you know, the, and we got what we got. But you know, I I find yeah. it, I find the whole thing. Look, they're trying. They have to. I mean, I don't think anyone was surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, before Matt was announced, I think I said it on my live with Ashley Spivey, literally five days before. Matt's announcement on Friday. I think that Sunday night I said, look, Ashley, I don't know who the next bachelor is going to be, but I just can't imagine in these times that we're in, whenever it was late June, early July, I said, I just can't imagine this show rolling out another late twenties, you know, average white boy as their bachelor, they will get crucified. And then, you know, five days later, here comes Matt. Like, I don't, if it took, you know, what happened in June, to to make it happen, fine. I you know, yeah. It doesn't matter at this point. It's better than not having it and just, them just saying, "Hey, our next bachelor is, you know, Casper Milk Toast." There he is. You know, same guy that looks like a combination of Nick, Ben, Ari, Sean, Peter. You know, just Chris Souls. No, like, it's all gonna be it's gonna be PP again. He gets a second season. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. How about I want to go back to you know that you bring that up. I want to go back to Peter real quick. I just this whole thing with Kelly is pretty <laughs> when you look when you look back on his season, you looked at everything that happened at, you know, he got engaged to Hannah Ann and then he broke up with her and then he seemed to feign this interest for Madison to appease television viewers on that after the final rose. And then two days later, he says, yeah, we tried and it didn't work or we're, we're going our separate ways. And then a week later, he's in Chicago with Kelly, and now they've basically become official, and they're traveling everywhere. I think this Peter season post show has been nothing short of unbelievable. Uh, it's unreal what has kind of happened with Peter and Kelly, and it's just been accepted that, like, I, I get it, and great for them. I mean, if they're happy and they're together, and it sounds like they're moving to New York and going to rent a place out in Chicago as well, like, good for them. But when you look back on Peter's season now, God, does this look messy? <laughs> to me, it's like there's no better evidence that the show, its real purpose is to derail relationships, is to sabotage relationships. These two people met outside of the show, then they went in the show, and while there, the producers tore their fucking burgeoning relationship apart, and then the show ended, and they got back together. It was like the show was an impediment to their relationship being built. <laughs> it hindered them, if anything, you know? Yeah. So the, the person that he actually liked the most, the person he is now with, the show would not allow that relationship to happen, even though she was one of the people in his dating pool. It's insane. <laughs> and, if you, and if you listen to interviews that Peter has given, I think he specifically has said the Kelly that was on the show, I wasn't attracted to. Like, she wasn't into it. She didn't like to play the – she basically didn't want to play the game that production was giving her, which then, in turn, turned Peter off. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it totally derailed it. And, and Lizzie, do you like them as a couple by any chance? Are you, like, rooting for them? Do you find them oddly <laughs> – do, do you find them I... oddly entertaining? <laughs> I – have been calling them our cringe content king and queen on our podcast because I think that they are tapping into this element of their social media play, which is absolutely horrifying to watch, but incredibly fascinating. And they're getting the views, not through 
you know, people loving what they're doing, a la Hannah and Tyler, but they're getting it through like, oh my God, look at this horrifying dance that they're doing. I have to send this to 20 people. (laughs) And I do think they're very well suited. They seem to maybe have the same uh, political beliefs and uh, like the same activities. (laughs) They both, you know, were shirking social distancing at the beginning of the pandemic. They're very aligned. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They seem, I think they've taken, it seemingly seems they've taken about 10 vacations together since, uh, since March, which everyone just kind of accepts or says, Oh, okay. I guess that's the way it is. I mean, I don't know how many flights they've been on, whether it's uh, a commercial flight or, you know, a private jet flight, private plane flight. The whole thing is, it's kind. Of, it's certainly bizarre. And you, the funny thing is, you mentioned. Um, oh God, I just lost my train of thought about that. Uh, Their cringe content, <laughs> sweet oh, numb. Oh, I know what you're going to talk. You, you mentioned. <laughs> you mentioned content about uh, Hannah and and Tyler. Um, did you watch this video that they released yesterday? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I. I need. I'm, I'm someone that kind of needs stuff laid out for me in terms of a timeline, and I need dates of stuff like that. Like, they talked yesterday in this 17-minute video about their whole relationship and everything that went down during the pandemic. Like, everyone was supposed to know everything that went on. Like, I was so conf- – I was think I was more confused after I watched that video of what the hell is going on between those two and what did go on between those two than I was before it. Like, did it clear anything up for you, Clues? I mean, look, here, I'll just give you, <laughs> I'll give you my dissertation on that video because <laughs> I have one, okay? <laughs> I want to I hear it. So the video opens with some graphics, and we already know that Hannah Brown's YouTube channel is going to have very high production quality. The images are going to look nice. She is going to have a professional team making these videos for her. As soon as it opens, though, after it comes out of the graphics, we get a single shot. It is Hannah and Tyler sitting elbow to elbow, apparently on a floor. And behind them is a TV screen with a fireplace and kind of white walls. Now, that background isn't real. They're doing this in front of a fucking green screen. So from the very outset of this video, they're trying to convey to us that what they're saying is real and genuine, and we're finally going to get the truth. However, they're shooting this, in a location that we don't know. They're shooting it with a fake background. This is a fucking set. This is all produced. And then as they're delivering the information, whether you can follow along with the events that they're reciting about what happened in Quarantine Crew and what happened after and all that shit or not, I could follow that because (laughs) I've watched all of the Quarantine (laughs) Crew videos and shit. But um, it seems like their tone, they keep looking at each other after one of them will speak and they keep watching each other while they're talking. The tone of it, to me, came across as it was like two little kids who have made up a lie together to their parents about what happened to the cookies in the cookie jar, and they're just making sure the other one is completing the lie. It seemed like they made up a story, and they were trying to stick to it. None of anything in that video seemed real to me, and especially not the goddamn background, which was literally not real, a digital background. 
you got to love the fireplace on the TV screen as a background. That was hilarious to me. I, we had those as a as a family growing up that we'd sit around at Christmas time and have that playing in the background yeah. while while Christmas music was playing over the speakers. Like I I was so was confused so by the video. Yeah. And and why green screen it? Like they were in a room together. What room was it? Like that's a it's some kind of production set or they just had a green screen in their living room? I don't know. But that's not a real location. It's all fake. Everything in that video is fake, I think, including their story. Which they said that they never even kissed. I, I didn't that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I didn't understand it because they, they talked about two different times that they were it was like they saw each other and then the pandemic hit and then her brother went into rehab and his mom died. And that's what brought her back down to. And then during that time back down there, they slept in the same bed for two weeks straight and never touched each other and talked about farting and all this. I'm like, what am I, what am I watching? I'm, I feel like, I feel like <laughs> ramming my head against the side of my end table uh, watching this thing. It's like, what? They know, they know that we will watch literally anything that they do together. People want them to be together more than they want the pandemic to end. They yeah. want it more than anything. I know. <laughs> that is... Steve, did you go to Hannah Brown's birthday party like Clues? No, no but I did hear that Clues did uh, attend her virtual birthday party. <laughs> what, so explain this. What happened at the... Hannah Brown virtual birthday party. What did you get to experience? I'm sure you didn't pay top dollar for VIP access, but what did you? No, I, I would have, but it was sold out. It was sold out. Of course it was. I mean, it probably yeah. was lying around the corner for that. Um, uh, no, I, I wound up paying $15 for the kind of general admission, and it was an hour-long event that had Hannah Brown uh, with a series of kind of guest videos that came in wishing her happy birthday everybody from caitlin bristow to tyler cameron the last one she did was matt james and she said that this was the last video he made before going into the bubble of shooting in nema cohen and uh demi burnett also came on and did kind of like a zoom thing with her they played a few games and kind of the biggest moment of it was she unveiled her youtube channel to live to everybody who was in the event and then she unveiled it to everyone else you know, 30 minutes later or whatever. Wow. $15 (laughs) worth it. I mean, for me it was because I felt that it was incredibly important to cover this as news in the bachelor world, because I do think that this model, this business model of paid live events is going to be something you see more and more players doing anybody who has over a million followers. Like I would be fascinated to know how much money she made off of this, but I have to imagine for an hour's worth of like, I was going to say work, but not really work. Um, I have to imagine she made a fuckload of money. hundred grand, maybe. Is there is there a number? Could you see the number of people in the room or no? No, there was a chat scroll on the side. And I, you know, it was constantly moving. There was never a dead spot in that. That was like the only kind of way that I had to gauge how many people might have been in there. So I have literally no idea. It was a bunch of just a bunch of Hannah stands falling, fawning all over her, but just telling her how great she is. Yeah, that's <laughs> correct. <laughs> yeah. You can imagine. Um, Lizzie, would you ever pay $15 to enter a bachelor contestant's virtual birthday party? Um, you know, I, I unfortunately had a prior commitment that night. I, I have, I have wondered about what I would have done. 
you know, if I were free. Let's say but if, we had we had clues covering it. Let's say it yeah. wasn't <laughs> Hannah Ann. Do, if it wasn't Hannah Ann and someone else was doing, like, do you have a favorite, whether it's a male or female from this franchise, that if they did put out a party like that or were doing some virtual event where you would be like, absolutely sign me up, I would do that a hundred times out of a hundred. I mean. I got a message that Nick Vial had already done this, which I don't. I don't know how we missed. <laughs> oh my god! But I would love to attend that birthday party, like especially his fortieth birthday. Um, there's in terms of gameplay. I mean, I would probably go to the birthday of of a lot of the top four players: Hannah, Ann, Maddie. <laughs> Maddie's would be would be interesting. <laughs> I, I mean, weird life events to me are a kind of fascinating thing that has happened, especially during quarantine. When you know, I, I think another reason, Steve, you were talking about PP and Kelly and how their whole relationship has blossomed in the post-show era. But I think it's also because we've been in quarantine and there's no new Bachelor content, so we're all scouring the internet and watching that as our Bachelor content. I think in a normal era when we would have already had we'd be in bachelor in paradise right now um i think that you wouldn't be caring as much about the older players yeah. i think that kelly and pp would would not really be news it would just be like oh he's dating kelly now we wouldn't be wa- like i watched them do a fucking eating contest where pp was trying <laughs> to eat like a hundred pounds of mcdonald's food for charity or something and he puked off a balcony I would never be watching that if it weren't for the fact that there's no Bachelor on TV. You know you know what else is kind of fascinating to me, and it, it just hit my brain because you brought it up, was we talk about people getting screwed over, and we talk about the paradise aspect of this and the game aspect of this is, you know, assuming there's no major outbreak and Matt James' season begins filming this weekend, ends on time right before Thanksgiving, and we – start this cycle back to normal and we start our regular cycle of bachelor airing first Monday in January going to mid March. That's when bachelorette films. And then it starts airing May, the July bachelor in paradise films in June starts airing right after bachelorette ends. Assuming we're back on that schedule in 2021, which as long as Matt season goes off, we'll at least start it that way. Um, it, it's fascinating to me because we did not have a paradise this season, which means that, Peter's women and Claire slash Tasha's guys are getting the short end of the stick when it comes to next summer because they're not going to be the most recent people on everyone's mind. It's going to be Matt James women and whoever the next bachelorette is. Her men are going to make up a majority, probably 70 to 75 percent of next summer's Bachelor in Paradise cast. But you've got these assumingly single women out there if they are single come next June, the Maddies, the Hannah Ann's the Kelsey's, the Victoria Fuller's Mm -hmm. like, I can't imagine they would pass them up, but it's almost like the middle players who could have made a name for themselves on paradise this summer are going to get screwed because they're going to get passed over for Matt James's women that are eventually going to be on it. And I think that's a whole thing to, to get into like, man, you're, you're shit out of luck. The pandemic really hurt a lot of people's bachelor in paradise chances this year. Yeah, the pandemic mostly hurt people on the bubble, like McKenna and Alea. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, <laughs> they're yeah, the real victims. <laughs> for sure. Not to mention the the listen to your heart players, because for those players, <laughs> yeah. 
None of them had a chance to hit a million <laughs> followers unless they got on Paradise. Still for like Hannah Ann Sloss, the top players from PP season, they've got, some of them, huge Instagram followings. They're going to be doing spawn cons for the next couple of years. They're okay just from their appearance on Bachelor. But those Listen to Your Heart players, they all knew they had a chance to get on Paradise if it would have been a normal production cycle. And I think some of them would have been on it. Now, I don't think any of them even have a chance. I, I, I mean, I think the top four do. I mean, I if 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 Victoria Fuller, Kelsey Weir, Hannah Ann, and Madison are single come next June, I don't see how any of those four aren't aren't cast. Especially Hannah Ann. I I would think Hannah Ann. I mean, if there was a Paradise this summer, I was saying that Hannah Ann was going to be this season's Hannah G, like the most sought after free yeah. agent on the market for sure. Um, and I, I got to imagine she would jump at that. All, all four of those women would jump at going on Paradise next summer. It just means that they're going to be coupled with some probably heavy hitters from that season, whoever that may be. You know, we won't know that for a couple months. But um, but I want to jump into Matt's season now. Based on the stuff that you were able sure. to to look at uh, on on the women from Matt's season that got released yesterday, I've got a, I had I put out a few notes today and some things that I've heard uh, about some of these women, but. Um, what jumped out to you on what you saw or what you looked up and, and found on any of Matt's women? Because you might have found something that I haven't yet. Yeah. It jumped out to me right off the bat that everyone is insanely hot. Yeah. Like, they're, everybody is a 10, essentially, who's being cast at this point. And not, a, not even all of these women are going to make it on. Yeah. But I feel like we're in – it's a next level of the game at this point. Like – well, a ton of these women are already models. They're in pageants, etc. It's stiff competition. <laughs> I also just wanted to preface this and ask you what you thought of this also, Steve. Why does ABC do this? They tell all these women <laughs> to lock their Instagram accounts, and then they release their names and Instagram accounts. I don't understand. Like, what is the purpose? Just to have us go crazy? What do you mean? What do you mean they... they... <laughs> They release well. They release. They don't release the Instagram accounts. Obviously, you know myself w- was able to identify all all forty three yesterday. So, I mean, right. I I'm the one that you know technically put it out there. But are you saying that like, um, well I they mean, re- they release their names, yeah. but they also tell them to lock down their social media. So ABC is essentially like, let's put the names out there, but don't let anybody dig into their backgrounds. It, it's a weird, uh, oh, I, I mean, it's saying. a psychological tactic, basically. It's what they do to the players on the show. But <laughs> they're not doing it to us, the audience. It just drives me insane that it's like, if you're going to release their names, let us Google them. Let us figure out who they are. Can we see <laughs> their Instagrams, please? It's I, crazy to me. I, yeah, I guess they justify it by saying, well, we're only giving you their first name, and we're not allowing you to have their last name. But then that's like what you said by not allowing us to have their last names and just here's what they look like at a shot out in the woods in Nemecolon, which clearly some of those headshots yesterday were at Nemecolon and some were yeah. taken, taken straight off of their, they're like, Hey, here's a, here's a better picture. I'm going to use this one. Um, I, I really think that, yeah, it is, it is kind of weird. I don't understand. I've never understood it. It makes my job so much more. Uh, <laughs> it, it made my work yesterday last 10 hours to find every person's, uh, last name and then you know once you get once you get a last name it it's is a direct easy. attack on steve <laughs> yeah. once you get a last name it's pretty easy to find 
the Instagram, but um, for the longest time, no. I mean, you know, they've only been, and the other thing is, they've only been doing this the last five or six seasons where, hey, here's a list of everybody who could be on the season and then, you know, X amount don't end up making it. But, you know, for me, it just has turned into, well, in a non-COVID year, when we had public dates or, you know, pictures that got out, now if we see a picture of a date, which won't happen on that season, but in the past when we've seen a picture of a date on Peter's season, we could identify every woman on that date because we have now a picture of every woman and their first names. In the past, it was just like whoever I had released at that point or anybody I had known that was a cast member but I hadn't released to the public yet, I was like, oh, okay, I know that that girl's on that date. But that's really all this really does. And, I, yeah, I don't really understand it. I don't kind of get why it's like here's their first name, here's their age and, and city, and the city is such a screw-up because half of these girls – I don't know why the city that they're giving is seemingly these women's hometowns. It's not even the city that they live in. Why do I care where this woman was born? If she's lived in, if she's, if she's lived in, um, you know, Portland, Oregon, uh, born in Portland, Oregon and raised in Portland, Oregon. Great. But she's been living in Denver for, yeah. you know, five years. I don't care that she lived in Portland. I, I don't know. They, it's probably because they don't want to say that all of them are from LA. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <'Cause laughs> right. from, um, from the ones I found, there the were a few is- that are living in LA now. Yeah. The timing of it is also strange because it's literally yeah. the week before Claire's season starts. Once again, they're using Matt James's season to undermine Claire. <laughs> it's very bizarre. Yeah, Fact why do you that. think they released it this week? Well, I only I only can say that they released it this week because they're keeping in form with the last five or six seasons. Is that they have released the cast the week the the week the show starts filming? But because we're all yeah. screwed up with COVID. Yeah, they released it when Claire's season about to start, but it's also because Matt's season is about to start filming this weekend. So they've kept yeah. on the same schedule, but because Claire's season got pushed back, that's why it's overlapping. So I guess I can't fault him for that. They're technically doing what they've always sure. done. But I, um, Clues, uh, what did you find on any of the women that you found interesting? Well, of all of them, we found that only three of them have their Instagrams either still active or public. Public, yeah. Um, all of their Instagrams that are out there that we can look at looked pretty good. There is, there was one person who is like uh, Maggie Tariki, yeah, who is from Ethiopia. She's a legitimate fashion model like in vogue and shit. All of her pictures are high, high end fashion photography. I don't know if we've ever seen anybody uh, ever. I think in bachelor that is quite like at this level of fashion modeling, she's going to be an interesting one to watch. I feel like Um, Kit Clementine Keenan. She's going to be very interesting to watch. She's coming into the game with 39,000 Instagram followers. And she's a fashion designer. Uh, she has a podcast with her mom. Her mom is a fashion designer who has 179,000 Instagram followers. She already has a YouTube channel with 1,000 subscribers. I think she could be the McKenna Dorn of this season. She's also very young, 21. So they'll certainly use that storyline with her. Are you really here for the right reasons? Or are you just trying to build your fashion brand? You're too young to want to be married. All that kind of stuff. Maggie as well also 
has a lot of stuff about philanthropy and this shoe donation she does for these girls in this village in Ethiopia. So I feel like that's, you know, that's a huge part of what Matt James is into. So I think they could bond on that. And then the only other public one was Michelle Young, um, who has two posts. She appears to have started her Instagram in April, possibly coinciding with casting for this, we think. Um, But she definitely has like the right look for this. And I think she could definitely be a contender. Yeah, Kit, Maggie, and Michelle, the only three that are public. There are six Mm -hmm. that are deactivated. Victoria Larson, Kennedy Taylor, Rachel Kirkconnell, Piper James, um, uh, Mari Pepin, and um, uh, one other deactivated. Oh, uh, Santa? Sonny. Yeah, Sonny Sonny St. Clair. It's funny, because yesterday someone told me she pronounces her name uh, uh, Sanea. And then when I I posted it this morning, I had three emails within five minutes saying, yeah, Steve, you're pronouncing it wrong. It's Sani as in Dasani, like the Dasani water. That's how it is. And she was a former homecoming. Hmm. She's apparently a very big deal at the University of Florida. She was a homecoming queen. She was uh, she's in the Hall of Fame at the University of Florida for uh, she was a a major player in the Greek system out there. Uh, Just a lot of a lot of work on campus. Like she's apparently a big deal. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's Sonny. I fully expect her to, uh, be around. And then we have this year's Kelly Flanagan on a much, on a much stronger level. This Madison, (laughs) uh, this, uh, Madison Nelson, Nelson. who, um, I was told dated Matt for a couple months last summer during the whole Gigi thing. And, um, she went to a fashion show with Matt, um, as I wrote today, I don't know anything about the relationship in terms of how serious it was, who broke up with who, was it a bad breakup, was it a good breakup? So as I wrote this morning, kind of comparing it to, is this going to be a Nick Vile, Liz Sandoz thing, or is this going to be a Peter and yeah. Kelly thing? And I guess we won't know until it happens, but clearly clearly it's not a girl that just... Clearly this isn't a girl that just like randomly met him like kind of Lauren Lyon, Lauren uh, Burnham did with Ari or like Kelly and Peter ran into each other one night. These are two people that dated. So they're, they're clearly going to use this as a storyline. What are your thoughts yeah. clues on how this is going to play out with, uh, with Madison? She will make it to week two or three. The producers are going to force him to keep her through night one so that they can build that as a story into week two or three. He clearly is not going to want her there. Matt James is looking at this opportunity to expand his social media presence for one. For two, if it does end in some kind of a relationship, it's not going to be with somebody that he was dating before he was the bachelor because now he can elevate himself in his own dating pool, whether it's somebody from the show or not. He's not going to go backwards. So I think Madison has no chance at making it even to playoffs, even to a round of six. I think she's got to be gone by week two or three. And they will make it again, I think, like a a five to six minute kind of plot in week two or three where they sit down and he tells her, I'm so happy that you're here. We've explored this. I'm glad we had this time to have these conversations and get this closure on our dating life that we had outside the show. But I have to let you go. Yeah, I think because of the duration of their relationship, it won't be as unceremoniously as uh, Liz Sandoz, where (laughs) 
as soon as it's brought up, she gets uh, torpedoed and has to exit the show. (laughs) But I definitely think they're definitely going to use that for a storyline, at least the first few episodes. Yeah. Built in. Um, There was, there's a, there's a Reddit thread that someone posted all of these different sororities that a lot of these people were in. And I was like, that is, that is an interesting connection as well, because you do get this training in, you know, sort of how to, how to socialize and how to like, look like you're into philanthropy and that you're well-rounded and that you are, there's a lot of focus on looks as well. It's even beyond that in a sorority, you get the hardcore training of learning how to navigate a super competitive psychosocial dynamic situation. And I think that, for any prospective players out there, if you can get into a sorority all four years of your undergrad, do it. Try to become the president. Set that as your goal. It will train you very well for your experience on the show. <laughs> well, you know, I we, we talk about how social media has played such a big role, and I know you have all the numbers written down, and I, um, I wrote down everything last night of these 43 women. I, I have seven of them. It's just funny to look at the numbers now. Because I, there's seven of them that have uh, five digits followers, you know, 10,000 or more. And that's Catalina Morales has got 51.6. Corinne Jones has 15.3. Katie Thurston, who's a big TikTok girl, has 18.2. Kaylee Anderson, 23.4. Kim Lee, 17.3. Kit Keenan, 40.5. Maggie's got 10,000. Oh, wait, Sarah Trott's got 11,000. And uh, Brittany Galvin's got 20,000. So eight girls have 10,000 or more. And it's like funny to look at it now mm-hmm. because we know by March of 2021 when the show is over, it's just, it's hilarious to see. Like, it doesn't even matter what your followers are right now. Oh, she's only got, you know, Abigail Herringer's got less than 1,000 followers. She got 887. If she makes it to the Final Four, she's going to be at 750,000 in the next five months. Like, it's just. It's yeah. crazy to think it. And um, it's just, I, I look at these numbers and I'm like, I write them down, but I'm like, these numbers really don't mean anything right now because all that matters is what's your number come May, uh, March 2021 when the season's finale airs. And uh, I feel like Abigail has one of the, her look I feel like is right for this. Yeah. I also feel like Anna, Anna Redman also stood out to me. Um, the Hannah Brown and, lookalike that everyone keeps saying. Yeah. 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 Oh, by the way, Dan, um, I don't know if you saw my note this morning. Abigail Hen- uh, Herringer mm-hmm. was, uh, she was born partially deaf and wears hearing aids. So wh- all the people oh, that, wow. all the people that liked her yesterday, which was a lot based on just initial reactions from pictures. And I think because she was the first picture, per- picture I put out there and first profile mm-hmm. I put out there because she's uh, alphabetically the first one this season. Um, yeah. I think her storyline now increases a hundredfold the fact that she was yeah. partially deaf and wears hearing aids and no sign language. So that definitely helps. Totally that agree. is good to know. I wonder if the producers will force her into some situation where that is um, a challenge she's going to have to overcome, like they did with Sarah Heron when they made her do roller derby, even though she only has one arm. Yeah. No, I, I, I you got to think it's, it's somehow going to play a role, um, whether it's a group date that involves, I don't know, hearing something I, I i don't know i, I just <laughs> i, I just i yeah. think it's it's she's it's certainly gonna be a story she tells i wouldn't be surprised if she's 
Mm-hmm. In fact, I would be stunned if she doesn't have an intro video where she talks about it. You know, I, how, yeah. how could she not? Um, but, and, and plus we don't, we don't know. I mean, based on, you know, when they released Claire's guys in July, there were 42 of them and only 31 of them made it to the first night. So it looks like 10 of these women, eight to 10, maybe even 12 of these women are not even going to make the show, which is funny because when 34 of your 43 women have an Instagram set to private, whoever doesn't make the show, the second they're told, hey, you're not on the show, we're putting you on a plane from Pennsylvania back to wherever you came from, the second they get their phone back, they're going public on Instagram, I I would think. So it'll be able to... (laughs) The second they get their phone back, they're going to make a a female version of the getaways. The getaway boys, yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I uh, I I referenced that today as well. I said like, well, whatever eight or ten uh, don't make it, who knows? Maybe they'll become BFFs and travel to meet each other, all from different states, not wear masks, and film videos of themselves. <laughs> um, they, they should wrestle alligators together. Yeah, in the swamps of Florida. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it seemingly think I I think we're going to be able to tell who doesn't make it on this season. Because by Thursday or Friday, by tomorrow, well, this is airing Thursday. So by tonight or tomorrow, I would think the girls that do get cut and get their phone backs are going to probably go public because they're not part of the show. They haven't signed any contract. I don't think if you just are there, but I mean, maybe you have, maybe they'll tell, or maybe they'll just tell you, please don't go public. I don't know. But we know that the getaways did like those guys, the, yeah. The, the Tian Yangs and the Collins Youngbloods and the Alex Brusilovs from last, from Claire season, they all turned their phones on when they were eliminated. So we knew that they never even made it to night one. So I would expect the same to happen for these women. And probably, I don't know, eight to ten of them don't end up making it. I, I couldn't tell you who because, like you said, Lizzie, this is, again, one of the, I, you know, you hate to say it. It seems like every season I say it, but this is one of the better-looking casts they've ever had for this yeah. show. Um, but. Uh, it's not even just that they're better looking either just from the pictures that they're showing us. And from some of the Instagrams we've been able to find and some other images, uh, Googling, it's like these people, they're professionally good looking. Many of them are models, pageant queens. (laughs) It's to me, at least from my initial kind of glancing at this, it is the highest level of that kind of professional attractiveness that we've ever seen in the show. Yeah, Alicia May is a professional ballerina, too. Yeah. I mean, they're high level at this point. That's why, like, when I'm guessing about who's not going to be on the show, I am looking at, you know, the people who have, you know, a, a couple of them have under a thousand followers and maybe look a, mo- a little bit more timid and kind of seem like the show will uh, tear them apart. <laughs> what about what about what about bottle service girl at a pool in Vegas? Does she make it on the season? Kaylee? Kaylee, yeah. I uh, Oh yeah. I think she'll make it on. I think she definitely could be like you know, the seductress villain. Yeah. I I wrote I wrote down contender slash villain. <laughs> I, yeah. I could I could easily see a champagne gate esque event that the producers will somehow set up where she's delivering a bottle to the bachelor and saying like, I do bottle service and she Mm -hmm. gets him to engage her in some kind of sexy dance or something. I don't know. I can see it being used as part of a little mini date on a cocktail party one night. I I, I definitely don't see her being like one of the top 
few though just I don't know just some of the I don't see Matt James as like a raver yeah I I mean I hate to pigeonhole anybody just based on what we found Mm -hmm. yesterday but there's something about Kaylee Anderson which just screams this girl's going to be involved in some shit (laughs) it just it just I mean and I hate to say that to her maybe she's the nicest woman in America and she is just I know she totally might just us. yeah I, I I don't know but it just she just comes across uh, in her pictures and and knowing that she's a bottle service girl in Vegas that yeah. she might get involved in some drama. I mean, yeah, there's I a woman see. on on Love Island US who's yeah. also a bottle girl, Kirsten. Kirsten. And she's she's done pretty well. So yeah, don't get me started. I on can Kirsten. definitely see that being a uh, a story that the producers try to tap into that it's like well are you really ready for a serious relationship i mean you're a bottle service person in las vegas you know (laughs) she has a party lifestyle matt james wants a good christian she might be presented as kind of the hedonistic heathen to matt james's pious christian something like that yeah i mean i just looking at some of these and um like kim lee dated some youtuber She's the ex-girlfriend of some YouTuber, David Alvarez. Yeah, I, who I, I watched a of. bunch of I watched a bunch of those videos. They have a bunch of videos together. Um, um, she's also a nurse. Uh, um, she was very funny in the videos, and I was like, I don't know if that's right for this show. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> a personality. Don't think, we've seen Matt James' sense of humor in the quarantine crew videos. I don't think anybody who's actually funny is going to be appealing to him. <laughs> Um, you know, we talked about Kit earlier, you know, she's got the famous mother, she's 21, she's a podcaster, she's one of three that, oh, I left my uh, Instagram open, oops, you know, uh, you know, she's, she's someone that, um, clearly is going to get a label, whether, whether warranted or not, she will get a label of not there for the right reasons. She's already getting it because she's 21, has a podcast with her mother, um, Sarah- she also has a New York Times profile about her already. It's like, oh boy, I don't know. I kind of want to see this this show launch people rather than people who don't really need the show. I um, Sarah Trot is an interesting one because she has an entertainment background in LA. Mm-hmm. She's got a website, and in one of her pictures, she's clearly friends with Katie Morton. So there's that aspect. I know that Serena Chu is a flight attendant who also is best friends with Eunice from Peter Season, who's also a flight attendant. There's that connection there. Um, Amber Andrews is a 30-year-old blonde bombshell model slash actress who I think could cause some waves. Um I mean, these are just, like you know, initial impressions. I don't know enough. Mm-hmm. The, the only one I know enough about, or was the, was the Madison thing because I was asking around yeah. for the extent of well, what was this? Was this two people that had coffee one time, or like no, they dated for a couple months, and um, it was you know, I guess somewhat serious, but I, I, I just don't know how it ended. So. Um, Wait, yeah. did you know when they dated? It was last summer. It was d- when Tyler was with Gigi, is what I was told. It was like when that whole thing was going down. So, Okay, last... so way before he even thought that he had a chance to be on The Bachelor. Yeah, or no. maybe they were talking to him through Tyler at that point. Yeah, so this would have been like, well, let's see. Hannah's season ended airing in July. 
So this would have been around la- like last August, September-ish. Yeah, last summer is what they said. Right. Um, so right. I'm trying to think if anybody else jumped out at me just based on a job title or uh, where they were from or anything. Uh, looking at the list here. No. Um, got a couple for- we got a couple uh, NFL cheerleaders. Nicole Remy for the Seahawks. Yeah. Kennedy um, Taylor for the uh, the Washington Football Club. I almost said Redskins, but I didn't. I did just there, but um, well, I think that is what it is—the football team. Yeah, the Washington football. Fo- Washington guys. football guys. Yeah, team. I called them the club. <laughs> um, yeah, Anna Redmond. It was the the most the most reaction I got from somebody that gave me a lookalike was, "Oh my God, Anna Redmond is Hannah Brown's twin." I got that tons yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abigail was someone that people just seemed to like, uh, just her look. Uh, and that was before I announced this morning about uh, the fact that she was born partially deaf. Um, Katie Thurston, because her TikTok is private, um, we haven't I haven't seen any of what she actually does on TikTok. But to to be a nobody in terms of you haven't been on TV, you you just started your own TikTok account, and to have two hundred forty thousand followers and and one million likes, I guess, is a pretty big deal. But I haven't seen any of her videos, so I don't know what she does. Same here. Yeah. I can only assume it's a Mike Dorn esque singing, singing type thing. Yeah, no. I it mean, looks it just... like it was kind of. I feel like I saw screenshots of just the beginning, and it looked like more of a talking to camera type oh. thing. Um, okay, so nothing like parody or dancing or singing songs or anything. I don't think so. Okay. But that's just based on the screenshots of TikTok videos. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's just like a straight Donald Trump fangirl it, TikTok. It looked like it was kind of like <laughs> it looked like it was kind of like funny to camera, like quarantine humor. And as and as far yeah. as we know, I haven't seen anything or nothing's come up about problematic tweets or Instagram posts or I did go down a rabbit hole of Corinne, Corinne Jones. So all of the photos are posted on Facebook and her dad commented on her photo was like, I'm so proud of her as her dad. And I went down a rabbit hole and he's very MAGA. Oh. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I guess we can't pin that, on, pin that on her. Uh, I mean, uh, it's, I, I think these, these contestants, I mean, they're, they're all pro. I mean, the only three we can see are Kit, Maggie and, and Michelle. So, when yeah. they do get their phones back, I a almost, lot of speculation. Yeah, I think a lot of them will either clear out their posts before they actually go public and be like, "Whoa, wait a second, let me mm-hmm. let me go through this to make sure that nobody who once can now see my posts find anything problematic on it." But nothing was sent to me from people who already follow some of them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't get anything that was too disturbing. I don't think. I my think the scrubs are going to be better and better. You know, I think everyone needs to do the Michelle Young route and just start a new Instagram. <laughs> start with a clean Absolutely. slate. I, I did get the overall vibe on PP season. Hannah and Maddie, to me, Hannah and Sloss and Madison Pruitt, were the kind of new prototypes of players. These are women who grew up watching the show from age zero, basically. And whether they know it or not, I think they are just kind of absorbing gameplay. So by the time they're of playable age, they just know how to play front to back without ever having to like really study it just because they've seen so much of it. They know the rhythms of the game. 
when they need to raise a love level, when they need to use their walls, their tears, whatever. And I thought Hannah Anselus and Madison Pruitt really, to me, were signifiers of a new era of the game where we're going to see at least one or two players every season now exactly like them, who never make a misstep. And just from, again, we don't have much on these players, like you're saying, <laughs> pictures of them in some Instagram, but I feel like we're seeing maybe five or six Madison Pruitt's, five or six Hannah Ann's losses in this Which season. Which ones? All the ones who are like professional models. Profe- you know, you have uh, Catalina Morales-Gomez, the Miss Universe um, Puerto Rico. Like, <laughs> I, that's unbelievable to me. I think she's going to crush people. I just, I think these players in Matt James' season are going to be so astute in terms of their understanding of the game that we're just going to see the final six are all going to be bulletproof. And it's going to require real hardcore strategy to make any moves through the playoffs now. Well said. That's <laughs> the, the breakdown. The, the sports analogies are, are great. I love it. Um, but yeah. I, That's how I see it. Yeah. That's I mean, it's, it's, it's great. I, I really. I, it, I love the way you guys look at this show totally differently. And so when I talk to you about it, it's, you know, you, you throw out terms like game and strategy and stuff like that, where most people, I think 99% of the audience that watches this show don't watch it the way you do, but your, te- but your television background probably lends to that. And it's just, you kind of mm-hmm. see how this, how this thing works. But again, I, I've really, you know, ever since you guys did the podcast where you broke down, my interview with Nick, um, I've been I've been a I've been a huge fan. I mean, I had seen the Bachelor Clues, and I had seen these pictures floating around from Bachelor Clues on Instagram of just you know psycho Chris Harrison pictures and, uh, and you know devil horned Chris Harrison, and I was just like, I don't what is this? And then I made the connection, <laughs> and I get I made the connection, and then the Game of Roses podcast. Um, and then you guys had me on a couple months ago, like right after the Nick interview. And it was just, you know, now I'm just, I'm a fan and I appreciate the way you guys look at it. So if anybody listening today, you know, wants to check it out, it's the game of roses podcast, or you can follow clues at uh, bachelor clues on Instagram. You guys, thanks so much uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun and uh, it'll be very interesting to uh, you know one of the things that we didn't even talk about is the fact that because covid pushed everything back it's like wow we haven't had any bachelor programming for six months well yeah but now we're going to have bachelor programming for basically five six straight months because we got claire season every tuesday up until basically the week of christmas and then boom here's matt james season first monday in uh, in january assuming they're keeping the same schedule so while we didn't have anything for five months, we're now going to have bachelor programming with no break. And I think that's something that they're probably banking on. I'm so I, I've excited. Been, <laughs> been dreaming about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, thank you so much for having us on. Like we are huge fans of yours as well. And love talking about this with people who are so insanely into it like us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Thank you so much, man. We have appreciated your work for many years because we really think that you're kind of the only one doing it. You know, we 
really truly do believe it's important work and that the coverage of The Bachelor as a sport or just as a serious piece of media that's being created in America, which is now controlled by a reality TV show host, we really feel like what you're doing is necessary and is elevating the coverage of reality television on the whole to the place that ultimately needs to be. No, I, I totally agree. And uh, like I said, I love the way you guys cover the show. It's a lot of fun talking to you. We could probably have gone on for another hour or so talking just television and your background in television writing. But yeah. maybe we'll do that some other time. But, uh, again, thank Absolutely. you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, keep in touch. Yeah, man, thank you. You got it. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much to uh, Clues and Lizzie there. Um, it's just so funny calling him Clues. Uh, I and if you if you do enough digging, you can find out his name or who he is. But I asked him before we went on, like, do you want to go by your name or do you want me to call you by your name? I'm like, no, it's just kind of been this anonymous thing that if people want to find out, they'll they can find out who I am. They even gave hints during that podcast of of who they are uh, and and what they've done in the past. You could easily uh, find them, but yeah, clues and Lizzie uh, have a very, very interesting Instagram account and podcast games of roses, game of roses podcast and bachelor clues on Instagram. Again, thank you so much to them for coming on and talking about God. We talked about so many things uh, from Matt's women to Claire and Tasha's season to social media aspect of this game. Uh, I know you got me calling it game. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's just uh, they were they were a lot of fun. I hope you all enjoyed that. So thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. We are back next week with yet another podcast. Don't know who it is with yet, but I'm sure it'll be a good one. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Uh, for Clues and Lizzie, I'm Reality Steve, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>